Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, good morning everybody. Well, how fantastic to be here in Leamington. Leamington's really lovely, isn't it? Yeah, I thought driving through here today, I drove through a little bit more of it than maybe I should have done because I got slightly lost, but not too lost. So I got to go down the high street and everything, and it was, yeah, very nice. I think I might come back just to be here one day, just to come. To come. Just to say a little bit about me, my name's Susan Hind, and I'm married to David, and we lead a church called Trinity Life Church, which is in the very heart of Leicester. So I feel right at home here, because you're quite a multicultural community here. So our church has 52 different nationalities in it. Um, and as Leanne's already said, we've planted campuses into different communities around Leicester, around, all around the city of Leicester, so we haven't gone too far afield. Um, but we're enjoying planting church, building church there, and we've loved our relationship as well with Dave and Leanne, who've become very special friends to David and me, and we love meeting with them, and we're going to meet up again in a couple of weeks. And we're so thrilled with what God's doing here. Um, I'm, I've got two sons who are in their 20s, and uh, our youngest son has a wife, and three, we've got three granddaughters, so I'm a grandma. In fact, they call me Mima. That was their own, their own idea of a name for me. Um, and now that's sort of caught on in church, so quite a few people call me Pastor Mima, which is really, <laughs> I think it's like my new name, you know, in God. So I've been asked today to bring a message from... Um, by listening really to what I feel God wants to say to this church specifically and to you guys specifically, which is not necessarily my normal style of preaching because I'm more of a Bible teacher normally, Um, but I also really love to listen for the voice of God and and believing today to be quite prophetic and bring something, and I believe God's been speaking to me about you and about what he wants to build here. So I think we'll just, we'll just, still our hearts because we've we've had an amazing service so far but we're just still our hearts in God's presence and open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit to speak to each of us individually as well as a whole so Lord we we just want to welcome you now Holy Spirit we welcome you into this place we thank you that you're here already and Lord we invite you to speak to us through your word we invite you to speak to us direct into our hearts Lord in such a way that we will be changed Lord, we thank you for the power of your word, Lord, and we just open our hearts right now to hear what you want to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Anybody here a builder? Has anybody a builder or ever been a builder? Has, that, has anybody ever built anything? Yes? What have you, what have you built? A bus shelter. A bus shelter. Wow, that was an answer I never expected. So, yeah, you built a bus shelter. Fantastic. Uh, anybody built a tree house or a shed, garden shed or something like that? Well, we've got some friends in Scotland we recently went to visit, and they actually have built themselves a house. That's pretty amazing. They, to build a house, you need to do all sorts of things. That You need to buy the land, you need to have plans, you need to build foundations, you need to supervise the work, you need to then sort out what's actually going to go into it. And um, I have to say, the house that they've built, which is in an amazing location... They are also church leaders, and that, the, the design and the building of that house sort of is reflected in the way that they have been allowed by God to build church as well. Um, and you know, 
I'm going to ask you a question today, which I believe that God is asking of you. And it is the question which is in scripture in two places, which says, what kind of house will you build for me? What kind of house will you build for me? And I'm going to start by reading from Acts chapter 7, from verse 44 to verse 50. And it's where Stephen, who if you like, just to give you the backstory, he was an early church compassion leader. He'd been put in place to, um, to minister to the poor, but was an amazing man of God. He was on trial. And in his message to the court, he takes the opportunity to really speak to everybody and um, as part of that, he recounts the history of Israel, and he talks about the building of three houses. So I'm just going to read you some little bits, which won't come on the screen to start with, until we get to the main part we're going to talk about today. He said this, he said, Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness. It had been made as God directed Moses, according to the pattern he had seen. So there we see, he talks about Moses' tabernacle, the tent that God directed Moses to build in the desert to a particular plan. If you like, that was the original recipe, the original plan that God directed. And then Stephen says this, he says, After receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. So here we, we, it's talking about David's tabernacle, if you like. The tabernacle, as in David's day, a place of prosperity, a place of, of sorry, not a place, a place of revival and a renewal. And really it amounted to not very much more than just a tarpaulin stretched across a frame. And yet it was a place that God loved because he said he wanted to rebuild David's fallen tent. He loved that house, a place to meet with his people. And then Stephen talks about he, Solomon, he says, but it was Solomon who built a house for God. And that, then he talks about the Temple of Solomon, a place of prosperity, a place of prominence, a place of growth. It was an amazing actual building covered in gold, inlaid with ivory, and people came from all over the world to see it. And this temple represented God's presence with his people and the power of God. And Stephen, it's interesting here because he's on trial partly because he's said, or they say that he's said, that Jesus is going to destroy the temple, the actual physical temple. And they're really taking offense at that, all the religious leaders. But then Stephen says this, and this is where I want to get to today, really. He says, however, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. So all those houses that God directed the people to build, really they could never contain God at all. He says, as the prophet says, and he's quoting here from Isaiah chapter 66, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? So he's saying, really, God is the creator of the heavens, of the earth. There's no house that we can build that can hold him. Do you know that God has no dimensions? He's not even big. You know, there's a children's song that says, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing that he cannot do. Actually, that's not true because God isn't even big. He has no dimensions. He has no measurements at all. He's infinitely, infinitely beyond what we can imagine. I don't know if any of you have ever seen an old sort of whimsical film. I remember watching when David and I were first married, I think, called Field of Dreams. Do you remember a film with starred Kevin Cosner? I'm showing my age now, probably. But he was a farmer... And he 
he heard, hears this voice when he's going through the cornfields saying, if you build it, he will come. If you build it, he will come. And what he does is he builds this baseball pitch. It's a really strange film. And, and the ghosts of these baseball players come and play on the pitch and, and he learns all sorts of lessons about life as well. But I wonder, you know, our God is so great, we can't build a physical house that can contain him, but can we build something so that he will come? Or build so that he will come? A few weeks ago in my own devotions, and I was already sort of thinking, well, what am I going to share with the people at Leamington? Um, I read a story of a lady back many, many years before Jesus, a lady who made not a house, but made a room in her house for a man called Elisha, a prophet. She built something. She didn't build a whole house. She built an addition onto her house, an extension onto her house. But she did it not just for herself, not just for her family, but to make room for the man of God, and in doing so, to make room for God. So we're going to read this because this has got something I believe to say to you about what kind of house will you build for God here in Leamington. So it's 2 Kings 4, verse 8 to 10. One day Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. Must have been she was a good cook or nice meal. She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops in here from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair and a lamp. And then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. So remember the question, what kind of house will you build for me? And think about the simple home that this woman built for Elisha. It, had, it was on the roof. It had a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. And when we hear that question, what kind of house will you build for me in Leamington? I think this passage has something to say of some of the keys as to what we are to build here, what you are to build here. And I'm glad that David and I have a part in, in that. We feel like um, auntie and uncle of the church here in some ways. So firstly... The woman is builds a house on the roof. And I just felt that this house was to be here, a house of vision. I'm glad to see you've got your vision on a banner here. And, and it's so similar to the vision that we have for our church in Leicester, which is really love God, love people, and love the mission. And it's exactly the same, really, as what you've got there. But on the flat roof of an eastern home, all sorts of things happened because the roofs were flat. They would go up there to rest in the cool of the, in the heat of the day. They would go up there to do all sorts of domestic jobs but it was also the place where you could climb up and you could see around you could see what was happening you could see at a distance much more than you could down further down in the house so for you here I just wanted to challenge you are you will you build a house where you see what other people don't see will you build a house where you listen to the Holy Spirit and I felt that's going to be a real key for you, is learning as a group and learning individually to listen to the voice of the Spirit. Do you know that God is a speaking God? God loves you. God loves me. He loves us. And if you're a father and you have children, you want your children to hear your voice. You want to speak to them. It's not hard to hear the voice of God. It's not hard to listen for what he's saying. We just have to actually take time 
sometimes to listen and to hear and to know a few keys as to how to do that. And I felt that's probably key for you going forward. On a personal level and wider. So on a personal level, we can get it wrong. Just to say we can get it wrong sometimes. We can hear, we can listen, and we can say something and, you know, it meets with deaf ears or whatever, and we can get it wrong. And that's all right because we're fallible. I know maybe as part of your small groups here, you have small groups, yeah? Learning to listen to the voice of the Spirit, I want that to be part of our small groups in Leicester more and more. Learning to actually take steps to move in the gifts of the Spirit and sometimes to get it wrong because that's part of it. I just felt there might be somebody here and again, you see, I can get it wrong, so I'm stepping out. It's all about stepping out in, in boldness and not worrying, isn't it, about what people think of you. Is there somebody here called Carol? Or Kathy, I don't know if it was Carol or Kathy. You see, there isn't. There you go. Well, I had a word for her anyway, if she was here. <laughs> so there you go. So you have to step out and not worry. You know, you might get it wrong. But if we, do, you know, if we don't step out in faith in, in, in moments where we get a moment, we're never going to see God do the things that he might want to do. We've got to learn to listen. My friend Sarah was talking to me um, on Friday and she said that she'd met a young lady who was a heroin addict who's actually the daughter of a friend of hers and she felt that God was asking her to do a specific thing, to give her some money for her electricity and also to give her some quilts that were in her car. She had some quilts to give to our compassion work. She felt she should give them to her instead. That partly through that and partly through other circumstances that were amazing meant that this girl has now got into a Christian rehabilitation center. And last Saturday, Sarah was able to lead her to Jesus. Now that's, yeah, that was worth it. <laughs> so sometimes we just have to be responsive to the move of the Spirit, to what the Holy Spirit's saying to us, and be prepared to make a mistake. And what about wider as well? I know in TLC and Trinity Life Church, where we come from, sometimes we have days of prayer or weeks of prayer, and we're trying to put those in more regularly. And I remember on one week of prayer, very early on in our days at TLC, somebody, we had a board and people could come and just draw things on the board or write on the board what they felt God was saying. Somebody drew a picture, and I didn't realize then, but she then became the leader of our compassion work later on, this lady, um, of a box. And she'd seen a picture in the spirit of a box with the walls broken down. And what she said she felt that meant was that as a church, we should open our doors more to the community. We should open our doors more to people around. And when I think of what's happened since then, we took that word and we began to take a few steps towards making that happen. Now our door is open most of the time. Now people come in, you know, in their hundreds through the week to receive help and compassion, to learn English, to come to the preschool, to come to TOTS groups and all sorts of different groups that go on in the week. Can I just say, when you build according to his vision, he will provide for that. And all that he's asking you to do as a church is to do what he's asking you to do and not what he's asking any other church to do. You don't have to compare yourselves with others. Just do what God asks you to do. He'll lead you step by step. So as a house, just have a clear strategy of where you're going and where you're going to go next. Can I say that you are really blessed with your leaders here? You know, Leanne is a worshipful lady, a lady who is prophetic, a lady who listens to the Holy Spirit, and that's wonderful. Dave is a great teacher. He's someone who's a great leader. That's an amazing combination in the couple who are leading this church, and I hope you really value them and honor them 
as leaders. And I know that God is bringing people to stand with you, Dave and Leanne, and to stand around you. And I believe there's more strong soldiers coming to come and stand with you as well. But as a house, stay open to the Holy Spirit. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. It says he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. What that would have meant for an eastern shepherd would, go ahead, would be go ahead of the sheep and get rid of all the weeds, get rid of all the predators, you know, fight them off, prepare the table lands, as it were, the higher pastures, prepare the table in the presence of all your enemies, and he goes ahead of us. So build a church of vision on the roof. So he says, come up higher, you know, like it says in Revelation, come up higher and I will show you. I will show you. He will show you the where to go. But what about the furnishings in this house? So the Shunammite woman, she put in her house a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. And I felt this was important for you as well. What kind of house would you build for me? One with a bed. <laughs> now, I'm not meaning a literal bed in the church. You know, pole up with a king size, and a king size is here. David and I have got a nice big bed at home, which we inherited from our children because they bought this enormous bed and then in their first flat that they had when they got married, it wouldn't fit in. So we got, we got it. And they got our smaller bed. Um, but you know, sometimes at night we open the windows. I love the windows open. It's a bit of a battle in our house because David does not like the windows open. He'd rather have the heating on the windows closed, you know, all nice and cozy. I like the fresh air. So, so I usually win with that one and we have the windows open. But then David will go and put his head down the other end because he's frightened of getting, he doesn't like to, the thought of getting cricks in his neck. So I have to say that can revolutionize your married life if you're, if you're married. You know, to sleep at different parts of the bed, you know, just change it up a little bit. In tomorrow morning, I'll be traveling to Nairobi to visit our partner church there. And I go there every year. And um, the bed that I sleep in when I'm there, it's quite, it is a double bed. But you always end up in the middle because the mattress really sags and you sort of end up right in the middle, rolled down in the middle. And David and I once stayed not too far from here in a, a guest house that was called the AA Guest House of the Year. But when we got there, it turned out it was AA Guest House of the Year 1974, I think it was. <laughs> and it had sort of lost its, um, its, gl its glow, shall we say. And we woke up in the middle of the night, both of us, and we, neither of us suffered from, from sweaty feet particularly, saying, is that your feet that smell? No, is that yours? Please let it be yours. And those sheets had not been changed. So, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's a bit of an aside there. But if you're to build a house here with a bed, what does that mean for you? I believe it means that you are going to be a place of rest, a place where people can come and find rest for their souls, where they can come and experience the peace of God. A lady called Shilan, who graduated from the English classes that run in our compassion work at TLC, um, gave a little speech on Friday. Shilan is a Muslim still, but she said, I found more than English in this place. I found love, joy, friendship, acceptance that I've never known in my life before. And you know that's only possible in Jesus. The prayer now is that she finds Jesus too, because that's where all those things come from. Our world right now is being shaken, isn't it? People are questioning. People are asking what it's all about. We're going to do a teaching series starting in September called Unshakable talking about what are the unshakable things that we can stand on in times when things seem to be shaking all around us. And some people will come as well here burnt out, needing healing, needing a period of mending up before they can move on. 
I'm thinking of one lady who came into our church, deeply wounded by a church split, also had the revelation not long into being with us that her husband had been spending thousands and thousands of pounds in internet gambling and they were in chronic debt. But somehow she's got through that time and now she's got to the point where she's going to give a day a week to actually serve in the church and uh, is doing amazingly well. But people are going to come like that and just see what they will become. And many people are going to come bowed down with the burden of sin, bowed down with the need of a saviour and begin to realise here, because a lot of people don't realise what it is they're actually looking for, do they? That actually what they need is a saviour. Actually what they need is someone to stand between them and God. And they need Jesus. They need the cross. If you're here and your heart is looking for rest, longing for rest, and you haven't yet found Jesus to be the answer for you, then we would love to. There's people here who would love to talk to you and pray with you at the end of the service. And you can find the rest for your souls that you're longing for. So a house of rest. So what kind of house will you build for me? A house of rest with a bed? A house with a table? She, a house of provision, I felt, and productivity. You eat at a table, don't you? I'm sad to hear that quite often builders now are building houses without dining rooms because people don't really sit around the table anymore and eat with family, or that's what they say. Once I served spaghetti bolognese to some people who came as guests to our house, um, and we didn't know them very well, but I walked out the kitchen with the plates, and I think I'd put a bit of butter on the spaghetti to make it extra tasty, and I just had a little trip, and... Basically, the whole of the plate of spaghetti bolognese landed in the lap of our guest. So that was a good way to break the ice. He probably never got the stain out of his trousers, and it was all splattered up the wall as well. Um, but this house will be a house with a table, a place of provision where what you need is provided. You prepare a table before me, remember? You'll be a place where people eat together and enjoy fellowship. In the early church, it says, in the beginning of Acts, they met in the temple courts and in each other's homes. And I did feel, David and Leanne, that small groups are going to be particularly important for this church. That what you do in your small groups, as they get stronger and stronger, it's going to strengthen the whole church. And also what you do in small groups, it's, it's like a mini church in some ways, isn't it? And I know we have four direction words we use when we're thinking about our small groups, in, up, down, and out. <laughs> which is what we have fellowship together, we worship God together and, and praise him and pray to him. We go down into God's word. And then one that often life groups forget or small groups forget that we go out as well to reach out to our local community in, in different ways. But as they get healthier, the church is going to get healthier. Also a spiritual table, sharing love, sharing truth, discipling, strengthening, and you work at a table. This also would be a house of productivity, productive work. Building a church is hard work, like building a house is hard work, but more strong soldiers, like I say, are coming to help you. And I, and I would challenge you today, if you're here and you're not really fully engaged, don't sit around the, the swimming pool on your deck chair and just watch everybody else doing it. Why not jump in? There's something you can do. You've come with a gift that's needed. And if you don't offer that gift, then the church will be less than it could be. You need to come and give what you have and, and jump in. What kind of house will you build for me on, on the roof? With a bed, with a table, and with a chair. We've got a new um, chair that our next door neighbours were clearing out their garage. And they decided not to bring us a bag of clothes, Leanne, but to bring us 
a big massage chair. They said, would you like it? And David said, well, cool, yeah, okay, we'll try it out. Now, David quite likes to go in it. It's, you, you sit in it, and literally it sort of massages your, your back and all down your legs while you're sitting in it. It's quite cool. But the thing is, it also vibrates the whole house when you're doing that. So if he's in it, I know he's there. But I felt a chair symbolizes devotion. It symbolizes not rushing, but actually being able to sit and to encounter God. Bill Hybels, who's a leader of a church in America, Willow Creek Community Church, he has a really great little, little podcast thing which you can look up on the internet if you want to. I think it's called Coffee Time with God or something like that. But the, the strap line is, where's your chair? And he tells the story of an advertising executive who said, actually, I've just come to, to Jesus, but I don't really have time in my life to encounter God. I don't really have time for a daily time with God. And Bill Hybels quite simply said to him, well, I found in my life that I, what I value, I give time to. And he challenged him to find a place where he met with God. And when Bill Hybels and his wife went around for a meal a few months later, this man had actually made a chair. I believe he made it, made it or bought it anyway. It was a special chair, a rocking chair. And he'd put it in front of the window facing the garden and he'd got his coffee mug there and everything and his Bible and his little books. And he began to have a daily time meeting with God. And Bill Hybels just sort of says, what happened to that man while he met with God each day was amazing. And how God led him on a journey. And eventually, how that man actually, um, he lost his life to cancer fairly early on in his life. But had managed to achieve so much. And he said at the funeral, he talked to his wife and he said, that was quite a thing about his chair. The place where he met with God. So where's your chair? I'll challenge you for that. Um, personally, but also what about together? You know, we were led in worship beautifully this morning. Thank you so much. I don't know what your name is, but love Catherine. Great. Maybe you're the Kathy. <laughs> Have you got a bad knee? Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> you see, it's worth, you need to have a go at this. Have a go and, and get it wrong. Maybe I'm just showing you something. Um, but worship's going to be so important to you as a church. And I believe there's a bit of a battle. I felt there's a bit of a battle on uh, with your worship here. A bit of a battle to actually build worship team. And, but worship is so important. There's a battle to fix your eyes elsewhere. But you are to fix your eyes on Jesus and to really worship him. And as this becomes a place of extravagant devotion, you're going to find God's presence just filling this place. And that will draw people as well so don't be afraid to really go for it don't think you've got to be so sensitive to people coming in who are new that you can't really go for it in worship just really give yourselves to worship and also in prayer and intercession a place to sit at the feet of Jesus and finally with a lamp okay with a lamp so there's the bed you can help me remember the table a chair and a lamp when David, my husband, was at school, I don't know what his woodwork teacher was thinking, but he made, and he was quite proud of it at the time, he made a wooden lamp with a wooden lampshade. Do you know what happened when he turned the power on? Yeah, that lampshade burnt. So I don't know what, I don't know how he was allowed to do that, but he did. But in an eastern home at this time, an oil lamp would be the only source of light in the house when it was dark. 
and that there would be complete darkness otherwise. And can you imagine how amazing it would be if you were a weary traveler walking down a road and you'd see in the window spaces of the house a flickering light to welcome you home? And I just wondered which weary travelers are going to see the light from the windows of this church, as it were, the light of God in this place. And I don't mean just in this building. I mean in you as a community. Who's going to see that light and be drawn to the light? But you're going to be, and you're to be, a house of light. And I just felt that was very important in two areas specifically. You're to be a house of light and shine out as you speak the truth. I read in Isaiah the other day in my own devotions about how the people of God, it says in the New Living Translation, it said they'd become like a half-baked cake because they'd mingled all their thoughts and all their ideas with all the people around. And a half-baked cake is no good to anybody. And I felt you were to, be, to speak the whole truth, but do it in love, but not to compromise your message, but also to shine out as you show love and as you share hope. And we talked about that a bit today. It was lovely to hear about the street pastors. And also great to hear, you're going to have some busy Saturdays coming up. <laughs> I'm glad um, you usually have Saturday afternoons like relaxing, because it sounds like you're not going to be for the next few weeks. But... Um, that's amazing because that means you're getting out in your community. And can I encourage all of you to be involved in that, in getting out and be involved in the street party, be involved in the sweat, sweating thing, sweat, and be involved in, in this reaching out to the community, making crafts and all that sort of thing. Do everything you can to connect with the community and do it wholeheartedly. And come up with more in your small groups, in different areas. Come up with more extraordinary ways to show kindness and love to people and just see what God's going to do. Um, in my life group that, that I'm part of in our church, um, some people have been on something called the Acts 2 Academy, which is um, a thing that a couple in our church have been running, really encouraging people to move in the gifts of the Spirit and then take it out into their everyday lives. And... Um, that we were encouraged, they said, well, we, let's do something, a reaching out sort of thing. So we went on the local park. Instead of sitting in the lounge, we took tea and coffee, you know, nice coffee. That's important, isn't it? You know, so people enjoy it. <laughs> it gives them something horrible. And um, we gave out tea and coffee and homemade cakes to people on the park. It was, it was sort of successful, but a lot of the people were running, so they didn't actually want the tea, coffee, or cakes. They would rather have had a bottle of water, so we'll learn that for next time. But we did have some great conversations with people, and it just was starting to get out there, and people say, well, why are you doing this? You know, what are you doing this for? I went to a wedding recently um, of a, a relative of David's, and because uh, David had a part in the service, and we sat at the reception, and the young lady who was sat next to me, who was one of, one of his relatives, quite a distant relative, shared how she would love to have another baby. And I just kept feeling my heart was beating, and I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have to pray for her. That's, you know, so anyway, I sort of copped out. And then David said to me, just before we went, he said, you're going to go, have to get hold of her and ask her if you can pray for her. So I did. I just said, you know, I believe that, that Jesus heals today. I've seen Jesus do miracles before. Could I pray for you in the name of Jesus? So I just sort of took her aside on the grass outside this venue and just prayed for her then and there. And I think that's a bit of a step to get to for most of us, isn't it? Not just to say, oh, I'll pray for you. That's maybe easy. But to say, could I just pray for you now? Would you mind if I say a prayer for you now? And you know, as we do that more and more, I don't know yet what's happened in that young lady's life, but... 
as we do that more and more, we're going to see God do miracles because he loves to come and meet people. He wants to show people he loves them. He wants to show them he's real. So I would say just be more and more open and let's try and be more bold together. So let's bring it all to a conclusion then. So the prophet Elisha, he returned to this room that the lady had built for him time and time and time again. This woman, it says in the Bible, she was wealthy. She had money. But by building this extension, it was a bit like what Leanne said in the offering. We don't give in order to get. But when we do give, God blesses us abundantly. And because she'd made this room, and she'd made room for the prophet, and she made room for God, God blessed her amazingly. So we read a bit later in that passage that she received the miracle of a son when she couldn't have a child. Later on in his life, he sadly died, but she received a resurrection miracle. And he was raised from the dead in that very room, actually, probably, because it says she put him, the body was in the prophet's room. So I believe as you do these things, as you build on the, on the vision and on the, the strategy and plans that God gives you, then you're going to see some amazing miracles. Believe for miracles. Believe for more. She also saw provision because in famine, it says that Elisha came back to that place and he said, actually, there's going to be a famine in this place. So you need to get away and you need to get to another country. So she left the country for a while and was saved from the famine. And then when she came back, there's an incredible story where um, Gehazi, who was Elisha's servant, he's just talking to the king of the country and saying, oh, and the king says, tell me some of the things that Elisha did. And he tells the king about Elisha's um, bring, raising this woman's son to, to life. And at just that moment, the woman walks in. It's that amazing timing. And so the king says, what can I do for you? And he gives her her house back, where this room was. He gives her land back, and he gives her money as well for all that she might have lost from harvests while, while she's been away in another country. So she sees amazing blessing and a blessed life. So I just believe as you build according to the pattern that God shows you, a house of vision, a house on the roof, as you honor him and furnish your house here in Leamington with a bed, a place of rest, with a table, a place of productivity and provision and togetherness, doing it together, with a chair, a place of devotion, encounter with God and with a lamp, being a light by what you say and by what you do. It's going to take every one of you to contribute, but know that he's with you. And I just want to finish by reading a little one, ver one verse from a book called Haggai, and I felt that might be a book for you to look at as a church, um, which is all about rebuilding the temple. And God declares, and he declares over you today, be strong, for I am with you. Be strong, for I am with you. And what better thing to know? Do we need to know anything more than that God is with us? God is with you as you build here. So the Lord, it says, sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, and Jehoshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. So there we've got a leader and we've got a worshiper. So you could say that's like David and Leanne, <laughs> the governor and the high priest. Um, and he sparked the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people, of everyone. And they began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of heaven's armies. So why not begin? I know you've begun already, but begin afresh to work on 
this house as you're ably led to really give everything and say we're going to give everything to build something to God's glory in this place. So what kind of house will you build for me? It's not going to be a show home where it's just all for show and all beautifully furnished and nobody ever uses it. It's going to be a messy place with all the stuff that people bring as people come in, come and go, but it's going to be worth it. And let's see, like that lady saw, what miracles God's going to do because of that. So I wonder if we just pray for a minute. Thank you, Father. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life.com dash cc dot org